Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus how God told Moses his name, which was Lord or Jehovah, and how God can be one yet triune in nature. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Also available at friendshipwithgod.org is an online bookstore that you can order Tom Cantor's materials through. Now, Tom Cantor has written a very popular book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. Now, this book has got a topic that's actually going to be covered in today's program, which is the Triunity, or the Trinity, or the Godhead. Additional teaching topics covered in this wonderful book are, Is the Jewish Messiah God as a man? Or is the Lord Jesus Christ God? Is it possible for man to see God the Son? And how can the Jewish Messiah be identified, as well as where was God in the Jewish Holocaust? And what is a Jew? And what is a Gentile Christian? A lot of these questions are answered not only for you to know Bible doctrine better and to have better friendship with God, but also so the Jewish people can see the truth of the Scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah, as told of in the Torah Covenant, which is the Old Testament, and the Tanakh, which is also the Old Testament, and that He truly is who they have been waiting for and looking for. And it's a wonderful book that you need to have. Call us today at one 800 247-3051. We can get you a copy of this book, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, go to our online bookstore, or again, after the program, we'll give the number again that you can call and the website information. But here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching message. Well, I'd like to welcome you again as we continue in our study in this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's uh, pray to God before we begin. Father, we understand that as we open this great book of yours, the Bible, that, Lord, we need the Spirit of God to open our hearts, to teach us, open our eyes. And so we pray for him to teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd follow along here, just read again this passage here in um, Exodus chapter 3, and uh, beginning here in uh, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. All right, now, in our last study, as we were looking at this, we saw how God encountered Moses at this burning bush, and what God said to Moses revealed to Moses and to us just exactly 
who God is. So it's very, very important, this passage here. First, we learn from verse 3 who the person was who spoke to Moses. It's interesting when we look at this because we see that the Lord, and when we look carefully here at the King James, we see this word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. These are some of the most important words for God that we need to really hone down on, focus in on in the Old Testament. And these two words, which are so vitally important, are the two words Elohim and Jehovah. Now, the King James translators have helped us out because whenever they have used this word, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, They are indicating to us that in the original, that is the special word for God, which is spelled in the Hebrew letters, yod Hey vav Hey or Y-H-V-H. So the original language has this spelling here, Y-H-V-H, and the text which is used for the Hebrew here called the Masoretic text has for the words in the Bible, it has consonants and vowels. In Hebrew, we call them the vowel points, and so they're added much of the time in Hebrew. The vowel points are not added or not used, and we just know by reading and recognizing the words how we just sort of subconsciously just put in the vowel points. We know how to pronounce the words. So the Masoretic text has the consonants and the vowels, so it's very clear, except this word does not have the vowel points in it. It doesn't have the vowels. So it's just sitting there as Y-H-V-H. You can't pronounce that. And some don't even try to pronounce this word, but instead they look at this and they substitute another word for God, which is not this word. They say the word Adonai. So when they see this Y-H-V-H appear, they don't even try to pronounce it. They just say Adonai. But this word is not Adonai. Adonai means master. But Adonai, like I said, it's not this word. And the King James translators used another word, obviously, for Adonai, and it's not all capital letters. And so they helped us here to know when the word Adonai was really there. So what's used for Adonai is the word Lord, capital L, small o, small r, small d. So when you see that in the Bible, capital L, small o, small r, small d, that's the word Adonai. But this word that's appearing here, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is not the word Adonai. It's this word Y-H-V-H. Now, some people add vowels to it. They add the vowel uh, O, and ah. So when you put that together with the consonants there, Y-H-V-H, it comes out Yehovah, Yehovah. So whenever you see in the King James all these capital letters, L-O-R-D, it's an indication that it's the word Yehovah, or we say Jehovah, Jehovah. So that's one of two very, very important words for God. And we have to focus on that when we look at the Old Testament and just to really key in when we see these capital letters there to understand that that's the word Jehovah. Whenever you see the all caps for L-O-R-D, that's the word Jehovah. Now, for the other most important word for God in the Old Testament is whenever you see the King James word God spelled capital G, small o, small d, that's an indication that the word Elohim is appearing in original. That's the other most important word, very important word, Elohim. Why is it important? Elohim is a plural word. The ending im is the common ending in Hebrew for plural, for to express plurality. Elohim is a plural word. So that's the word for God that refers to the three persons 
of the triune Godhead. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the word G-O-D, God, spelled capital G, small O, small D, represents Elohim. That represents the Trinity, the triune nature of God, the three persons of the Godhead, each one God and together God. That's the great meaning of the most important prayer in the Bible, which is the Shema for the Jewish people. Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, which says, Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, And again, that's not really the word Adonai, that's Jehovah. But because the Jewish people don't usually say it, they substitute the word Adonai. So anyways, that's the way it's said. Shema Yisrael is really Jehovah. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu. Eloheinu is the word God, for it's Elohim, but with the, the plural, uh, the uh, possessive on the end. So it's Elohim, but our gods comes out Eloheinu. And then it says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai, in other words, Jehovah again, Echad, which is the one. So that's a very, very important statement there in Deuteronomy 6.4, because what it's saying is it's saying that all three persons in the Elohim Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are all one together. They're one in a composite unity expressed by the very important word of Echad in the Bible. So that's very, very important. Whenever you see this and you look at Deuteronomy 6.4 and you will see capital L-O-R-D, all capitals, then you'll know that that's representing Jehovah and Jehovah is one person of the Elohim Godhead. Who is that person? That's the person of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever you see the King James words, all capital of L-O-R-D, spelled out, it's referring to Jehovah Jesus. That's why we call him Jehovah Jesus, to be clear about it. So how do we know that our passage here is God in the burning bush, is really the Lord Jesus Christ in the burning bush? Because this is the only passage in the Old Testament where God has identified himself as the great I am. This statement is going to come, and we're going to find it. It's going to come right to it. It's right there in verse 14 where God identifies himself, and he says, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. That's very important. Why? Because this is the place, the burning bush, the revelation of God to Moses, the calling of Moses to go deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. When Moses comes to the people of Israel in Egypt, he says, I am sent me to you. So that became the buzzword for God. That became the name for God among the people. I am, the great I am, has sent Moses. We're going to be delivered. And they were delivered. Who were they delivered by? The great I am. So this person who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, identified as Jehovah, was the great I am. He identified himself as the great I am. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, when having a confrontation with his enemies in John chapter 8, he identified himself as the great I am, for which he suffered the attempt on his life, because they knew exactly what he was saying. But the very, very important statement that he made was in John 8, 24, where he said to them, crystal clear, he put it this way, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. That was a crystal clear statement that he made where he claimed to be the great I am. 
And of course, this has tremendous implications and meanings for the Jewish people. He is the one who is speaking from the burning bush. He is Jehovah Jesus, according to his statement here. And what he's saying here is that unless a person believes that he is, that is, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great I am who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, there's no way, there's no way that a person can be saved from their sins and go to heaven. The fact that Jehovah is Jehovah Jesus is the great secret that is not known by the majority of the Jewish people. They don't know it today. But for any person, any Jewish person, but any person for that matter, who comes to the great revelation that Jehovah is Jehovah Jesus, this then makes it possible for that person to be saved from their sins and go to heaven. So the next step after understanding that Jehovah is Jehovah Jesus is to fully trust in Jehovah Jesus who became a man, the only sinless man that ever lived and died and allowed himself to have all of our sins placed on him and then died for our sins. So unless a person believes that it was Jehovah Jesus from this passage here, as we're referring to him here in the burning bush, that it was Jehovah Jesus who became a man and died for our sins. He can't be saved. He can't be saved according to his words. That's why from time to time when the Bible, and when we come to it here, the Old Testament uses all cap letters for L-O-R-D, for Jehovah. That's why I'll say from time to time, Jehovah Jesus, when I see that. That's why it's good for you to say to yourself as you're reading the Bible, Jehovah Jesus, to make it crystal clear who we're talking about. Why? Everybody talks about God. Every religion, God, 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 everything, God bless you, and God this, and God this, and thank God. Who is that? Who might that God be? Who is the person? That's the question. That was the question on which Paul was saved when he said, who art thou, Lord? In other words, who are you, God? And then, on the road to Damascus, God revealed himself to Paul by saying, I am Jesus. So when a person comes to the realization that they're talking about Jehovah Jesus, God Jesus, makes all the difference in the world. So we can see now that it's so important. And what else we recognize from this is now we've talked about the two very important words of Jehovah, all caps, L-O-R-D, and Elohim, big G, small O, small D, God, in how it's designated there. And now with that in mind, and when we look at verse 4, it's very interesting because it reads like this. And when Jehovah saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Now, wait a second. Now, so it seems like double talk, right? Because we're talking about Jehovah and now Elohim is the same person. How are we to understand this? How are we to understand the fact that Jehovah and Elohim are used interchangeably? They're used synonymously. Well, how are we to understand that? We understand this interchangeable use of Jehovah and Elohim, just like we're reading here in verse 4, by the words that the Lord Jesus Christ said when he clarified this situation to us in John 10.30 with a very simple statement when he said, I and my Father are one. Now that's in the Greek New Testament, and we understand very clearly that when he said that, of course in Hebrew, that he would have said, I and my Father are echad. In other words, I and my father are echad, and when you use the word echad, and you speak of God, immediately goes back to the great Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, or Jehovah Adonai. Hero Israel, Jehovah Eloheinu, Jehovah Echad. So in other words, he's saying here 
the same thing as John 10.30 in the Great Shema. As Jehovah is our gods, is Elohim, is together with the Elohim, is part of the Elohim. And that Jehovah is Echad. In other words, Jehovah Jesus is part of the Elohim. Jehovah Jesus is part of the Echad. He's together. And that's what he said there in John 10.30. And then he further went on to say in John 5.17, the Lord Jesus Christ said, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. So that gets down to the question of, well, exactly how are they echad? They are echad. They are together. For example, here in one aspect, they both are doing the same work. See, they're working. They're different persons, but they're doing the same work. My father works here, the two, and I work. So God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is so one. He is so echad with the Father and God the Holy Spirit, you can't separate them. That's why they're used synonymously here in our verse here in Exodus 3, 4, because you can't pull them apart. You can't separate them. The three persons of the Godhead in the Elohim are as linked together in their thought, in their character, in their work. They're as linked together with each other as our body and our soul and our spirit is linked to each other. I mean, right now, I'm speaking to you right now. I'm speaking to you now. And so now, here's a question. And so you might ask me, say, well, now what part of you is speaking? Is your body speaking? Or is your soul speaking? Or is your spirit speaking? And I would say, how can you ask a question like that? Which part of me is speaking? I'm speaking, but there are three parts of me. There is a body here. There is a soul. There is a spirit. And so when you ask the question, which part is speaking? I have to say, they're all speaking. The spirit in me has something it wants to express. The soul in me has the will to express it. And the body is doing the work of expressing it. It's the same way. It's an analogy. But all three persons of the Elohim are engaged in speaking to Moses here. That's why the word Elohim is used. But since no man can see God the Father and no man can see God the Holy Spirit, the person that Moses saw at the bush was God the Son. So he was the one that was physically speaking. But that's what Jesus meant when he said, I and my Father are one, and my Father worketh hitherto, and I work. It's very important to see this. Now, we come now to verse 6 in Exodus 3, and we saw from verse 6 that Moses was shocked. He was just shocked. When he got there, he hid his face, and it says he was afraid to look upon God. Sometimes, for example, here, it starts off and it says, the angel of the Lord. He says, the angel of the Lord, in verse 2, appeared unto him. But it becomes very clear that that angel of the Lord is the Lord, because then Moses goes on to say he was afraid to look upon God. This happens a few times in the Old Testament. Now, why was Moses shocked when God spoke to him? This was probably the lowest time in Moses' life. I mean, Moses, poor guy, he's been on the backside of a desert for 40 years. And we could just imagine how lonely he must have felt. 40 years, it's a long time. And it was a real low watermark in his life. He's separated from his people. He's in a strange land. He's living in a home of an idol-worshiping priest. This was very, very foreign for him. And so he just feels so isolated, Moses does. And so the thing is about Moses is that it was into his loneliness that God broke through, and he broke through with words. God shattered Moses' loneliness by speaking to him. That's how God shatters our loneliness. God pierces through 
the darkness of our loneliness and shatters it with his words, with the Bible. And so this is what shocked Moses so much more than anything else when he saw how God saw Moses, cared about Moses, and Moses wasn't aware of God. And that's what really shocked him. You know, it reminds us of a person, a wonderful person in the Bible, where there is before Moses who twice, twice was cast out of the family and was like Moses. And on both occasions, the Lord appeared to this person and broke the loneliness of this person by speaking to this person. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Can you guess who that is? It's cast out into the desert. Well, I'm talking about Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid, Sarah's handmaid. She was sent into the desert by Sarah on two occasions, by jealous Sarah and by an angry Sarah. And the first time this happened was that Sarah was jealous because Sarah had been responsible for Abraham to get Hagar pregnant so that Sarah could have a child. But this backfired on Sarah because Hagar despised Sarah in her eyes. And so a hotly jealous Sarah cast her into the desert pregnant. And so Hagar, we find her in Genesis 16, sitting down by a fountain of water in the desert, and she's crying out in her heart to God. Evidently, she's crying out to God, and because God speaks about hearing her. And Hagar is not just crying out to God for what's going to happen to her, but the heart of the mother Hagar is so, so moved for her baby. And she's so wondering, what's going to become of my baby that's not born yet? What's going to become of my baby? And so God spoke to Hagar there and told her that she should go back to Sarah, that she should submit to her as hard as it was. And God made a tremendous promise to Hagar. And that was that her baby would be a son and he would become a great multitude of people. And God told Hagar that she should name the name of the baby. God gave the name of the baby to Hagar, and Hagar named the baby that name because that's what God told her to do. And the name of the baby is a wonderful name. Now, most of you don't think it's such a wonderful name, but it is. It's a wonderful name because it's a contraction of two words. It's a very special name. I told you that the most important prayer for the Jewish people is the Shema. That's how it starts out in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, Shema, it's an important word. That's one of the words in this baby's name, Shema. And the other word that's in this baby's name is the word El, or God. So literally, this baby's name means God shall hear, or Ishmael, Ishmael, or we say Ishmael. Ishmael. That's a wonderful name. It really is. That's exactly the reason in Genesis 16:11, as we look at that, it says, God spoke to Hagar and says, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael or Ishmael, Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. That's what he said. It's because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, Hagar, that you should name the baby Ishmael or Ishmael. So Hagar was to name this boy Ishmael or Ishmael as a permanent memorial to the fact that Jehovah Jesus heard her affliction. That's just like God heard the affliction of the Jewish people in Moses' day. So in Genesis 16:11, Hagar has just heard God give a wonderful name for her son, Ishmael. God shall hear, that's for Ishmael, wonderful name for her son. And now having heard that in Genesis 16, Hagar turns around and gives a wonderful new name for Jehovah Jesus. And that's in verse 16, where she said this, and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, thou God seest me. 
And then she challenges. She has a challenge for herself. And she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? See, this is a new name for the Lord. This is a wonderful new name for the Lord that Hagar has given to us. And it's the name, thou God seest me. So what does it emphasize? It's emphasizing how God sees us when we're not aware that he sees us. That's what she was saying. She was saying, thou God seest me. Have I also looked after him that seeth me? Thank you for joining us today. Now, we want to encourage you to visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. We always have free resources and materials that are available on our website, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. Again, that's israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org. Now, we want to invite you to go to the websites, sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. That'll come directly to your phone or your email. Now, you can also go to Facebook and look up Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or Friendship with God, and find us on Facebook and receive the daily devotional verse. But again, if you're not on Facebook, go to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. Sign up online to receive that daily devotional verse. You can also sign up to receive our newsletter from Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries. And you'll hear about our upcoming Summer Blitz campaign to reach over one million lost Jewish people this summer in Jewish cities. We've done that the past two summers. We want to let you know about this campaign so we can get you involved in prayer, that open hearts will be there and receptivity from the Jewish people as we take out gospel gifts to the Jewish community, 17 Jewish cities. Now, we don't hit every city in America, and there are smaller Jewish communities and lost Jewish people throughout America, so we need you, the radio listeners, as this nationwide program goes out to reach out to lost Jewish people, whether it's a doctor, lawyer, friend, coworker, neighbor. Call us today, one 800 247 3051, 1-800-247-3051 for a free gospel gift, or go fill out the online form at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow.